But uh, 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 singleness, therefore, is not something that is a pariah in, our, in, in the Word of God, but it's something that God uses to leverage for His glory. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. If we're really honest, though, there's really three groups. There are people who are single. There are people who may be not yet married. And there are, of course, people who are married. Uh, Satan does not just attack our marriages. Satan also attacks our singles. And we would be naive to miss that. Uh, uh, Satan desires to deceive, to discourage, to derail our singles. But God, in His Word, desires to use singleness for His glory. And so this morning, the, the title is Singleness and the Glory of God. And our text is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Corinthians had asked uh, Paul some questions about marriage. And there was this thought among the Corinthians, uh, isn't it a holy thing? Isn't it a righteous thing? Isn't it a godly thing to be celibate? And kids, you can ask your parents what that means. <laughs> Even if I marry, is, am I not on another plane of spirituality if I practice celibacy even within my marriage? And so they asked this question in chapter 7, verse 1. Isn't it good for a man not to touch a woman and speaking in the marriage relationship there? And Paul says, no. No. It is good for a man not to touch a woman in the improper way outside of the marriage relationship, but is absolutely proper in the marriage relationship for those privileges to be enjoyed. And Paul says in verse 2, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the woman render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you, not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. And here's what I want us to see here in verses 7 through 9, is that singleness and marriage are gifts from God. Singleness is a gift from God. Marriage is a gift from God. A lot of times we speak of marriage and our spouses as, as a gift from God. I hope you do. Uh, as a gift from God that God has given you. But we don't necessarily think of singleness as a gift from God. But yet scripture says that singleness and marriage are gifts from God. Look at verse 7. For I would that all men were even as myself. Single, Paul said. By the way, Paul probably was married at some time in his life. It's very possible his wife passed away. In order to be in the positions that he, that he was in Jewish uh, culture, one of the requirements was to be married there and to be a member of the Pharisees and Sanhedrin and the rabbi. That's another topic. It doesn't matter. At this point, he's single. He is single. And Paul says this, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. So marriage and singleness are both gifts of God. And that's important to understand. God has given you, if you are married, a spouse. But the greatest gift He has given you is to be content no matter what situation you're in. 
God, if you are single, has given you a gift of singleness and contentment. There. Now, there are different levels of that singleness. We read in Matthew chapter 19, verses 11 through 12, that there are people uh, who uh, are, are, are given a gift of lifetime singleness. Lifetime singleness. By the way, all of us were single at one time, right? Some continue to be. That's, 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 that is a gift. Uh, but all of us are single at one time. And so kids, teenagers, all right, you're, you need to pay attention to this. I'm trying to give you the message that I wish I heard when I was a single. And in Matthew 19, verses 11 and 12, those verses we read when he talks about eunuchs, he says it is only better not to marry for those to whom it is given. In other words, it is a gift of God. Those without a capacity or interest in marriage relationships is what he's talking about in Matthew chapter 19. And he says this... In verse 8, I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And the idea there is a little, little there's some um, different opinions, but the uh, idea I believe he's saying there is to, it is better to marry than to burn with passions. Here, that cannot be um, uh, exercised outside of the marriage relationship. What he's saying is this. It's better to marry than be consumed by your sins of passions. So here's his point. Whatever your relational capacity is, marriage or singleness, remember there's people who are single but may end up being married. There are people who are single the rest of their life. And, they are, and that, is how, um, that is a gift from God. It comes very clear here from Matthew 11, 1 Corinthians 7. But regardless of where you in it, where where you are in these stages uh, or, or 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 circumstances, it is a gift of God because whatever your relational capacity is, it has been administered from the sovereign hand of God. Is his point? And therefore, we are to be trustingly content wherever we are. Verse seventeen. Jump down to verse seventeen. He says this. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches. His point is this. Live to the max in the situation you are in. Live to the max in the situation you are in. By the way, that doesn't mean that singles should not pursue marriage. All right, But his point is, live to the max in the situation you are in. That God has called you to. God has called you to salvation in Christ. And his point is, live in the fullness of that in whatever state, whatever circumstance you are. In other words, as Jim Elliot said, wherever you are, be all there. Is the point. Because God wants you to use your present situation for His glory. Married, God wants you to use your marriage for His glory. Singles, God wants you to use that circumstance for His glory. That does not mean that you are forever locked into that setting, singles. God may bring a spouse upon your way. Uh, uh, things can change, can't they? Some of you might be familiar with uh, Nancy Lee DeMoss, formerly Nancy Lee DeMoss with Revive Our Hearts, who for 50-some years lived as a single, and then a couple years ago, surprisingly out of the blue, became married to a, to a Christian writer and has a, has a godly uh, uh, marriage. It was a, it was a big surprise to her. 
But obviously it was all part of all part of God's plan. She had planned to live her life, a life of singleness, and had done so for, for five decades. And God brings a husband to her and married. But the point of the passage is wherever you are, be all there. Live out your Christian calling in whatever state you find yourself. Look at verse 24. He says, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. He says, in the context of these verses, he's saying, don't let your state trouble you. Instead, let your concern be this. How am I going to glorify God in my state? He said, don't let the worries of this life and the worries of this world trouble you. He says, instead, have a, have a paradigm shift, a mental shift, a God-centered shift, a shift that says this, in my state, how am I going to glorify God? And singles, that's the mindset that God calls you to. It's what God calls all of His people, but specifically applied to singleness. There is no, in God's kingdom, there is no, I'm just a single. There's none of that in God's kingdom. In fact, our lives are not determined by our relationships, are they, ultimately? Our lives are determined by an ultimate relationship. All, all, our, our lives are determined by the unchangeable, permanent reality of the gospel. Look in verse 23 of chapter 7. He says, ye are bought with a price, be not the servants of men. He says, this is the ultimate, unchanging, permanent reality that needs to drive you. That you are bought with a price. That you're bought with a price. And therefore, he says in other chapters, glorify God in this. Wherever you are, glorify God in it. There is no I'm just a single here. God does not determine our value by our situations, but by the permanent value of His Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you find yourself in. Because of the cross and the resurrection. So Paul's point is, so serve the Lord in whatever situation you are in. And point number two is this. If singleness and marriage are gifts of God, then singleness is preferred but not required, Paul says. Singleness is preferred but not required. <clears throat> now, Paul says this is, this, 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 is, this is not a binding thing. Paul does not expect every Christian in God's kingdom to be single, right? Um, uh, but he says uh, there are some preferable features about being single, and Paul says, as one who is single myself, let me tell you about them. And so singleness is preferred, but not required. There are things in becoming a family that are burdens that a single person will not have to worry about or be responsible for. Um, <clears throat> when my brother, who is not married, comes and visits us, I do not expect him to stay up with a screaming kid at night. Um, I do not expect him uh, to have to worry about providing for our family. He can leave if he wants to. And, it's, and he's good with that. He's good with that. Um, uh, uh, there are burdens that a single person will not have to worry about or responsible for, be responsible for. And yes, I understand that there are burdens 
that a single person has to uh, worry about, um, that that a a married uh, uh, a family would not have to worry about. I understand that, but Paul says um, there is a there is a benefit to being single in this way. Look in verse twenty five. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. He says, this isn't binding, but this is, this is, this, here's a little wisdom, is what he's saying. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, that hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble or anxiety, worry in the flesh, but I spare you. There are, there are concepts in here that we would need to expound on another topic on marriage here. But his point is that it's okay, uh, that there's nothing wrong with being single and there's nothing wrong with marrying. But he says this in verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, it remaineth, that both they have that both they that have wives be as though they be as though they have none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. <clears throat> but he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely or, 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 or beautiful, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Here is what he is not saying. He is not saying that married people are worldly people. It's not what he's saying. He's saying the burdens of life can, can, um, uh, can be uh, more readily experienced in families. And here is also what he is not saying. He's not saying that one is bad and one is good. He is saying this, that the married have the additional concern of a spouse and family because they have been made one flesh. And so, uh, having new life in Christ, the singles need to think about their life situations in light of that. That they have a mindset of eternity and they not be held back by worries. Which he says, in a family, you might uh, tend to have more worries uh, uh, in personal relationships there. So it is how to live. He's telling them, this is what you need to understand. You need to know how to live for what counts, whether you're married or single. And marrieds have additional concerns with their spouses. But again, he's saying either is okay. What is important, though, is that you live in whatever circumstance or situation you are, that you live in light of the gospel as a determining factor, not your relationship in the world. On this sphere, on this plane here. So again, the permanent reality that you are bought with Christ is what is to drive and how it is to govern your life. Verse 31, he says, And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world is passing away. So he puts up the world and the temporal nature of it. How it's passing away, how um, uh, uh, even marriage, by the way, 
we, we talk about um, living happily ever after. We talk about marriage being forever. And what we mean by that is, for, is, is until you die. That's what we mean. Because marriage is not forever. Jesus says there's not marriage in heaven. Marriage is a, is a, is a, is a relationship. It's a platitude uh, on this earth. It does not continue in eternity, Jesus says. Um, so even marriage is not eternal and forever. But what is eternal and forever is God's called you to new life. That is eternal and forever. He says focus on that. Focus on that. So either marriage or singleness is okay. But what is important is you live a life, life in light of the gospel as a determining factor, not your relationship in the world. Marriage and all these things. He talks about um, uh, uh, weeping, rejoicing, buying, possessing not the world. All these things are temporary. So here's what he's saying, singles. He says, have a clear vision of eternity. Have a clear vision of eternity. Have a clear vision of what is going to live beyond you. Of what is going to last. Whether married or single. And his point is marriage just has different concerns that singleness does not. And that's why Paul says, now that's why I'm continuing to be single. You think about Paul's task of expanding the gospel and planting churches. Uh, that, that would not have gone the way that it could have, and as it did in the book of Acts, if Paul uh, had a family to take care of, would it? So marriage has different concerns that singleness does not. And so here's his instruction in verse 35. And this I speak for your own profit, not that he may cast a stare upon you, not so you think you have to be single and can never get married. Here's what he says. But for that which is comely, and that you may attend upon the Lord, here's the key words, without distraction. Without distraction. So his point is this. My instruction to you is not to make life difficult and say, uh, you have to stay um, uh, single. But he said, I'm giving you instruction on how to live in freedom. And freedom. He's saying, live fully in this world, but do not live under its grip of its systems or its values. Live in unhindered devotion to Christ because singles have a great opportunity to do that. <clears throat> I came across some application um, by an author named Marcia Siegel on this idea of singleness. And here's what he says about making the most of your either not yet married life or your life of singleness. He says this, number one, avoid trading marital distractions for other distractions. Paul says in marriage life there, is this, there could be distractions. So if that's true and you're single then don't add unnecessary distractions to your life that would hinder your work in God's kingdom. Um, <clears throat> how many single men do you know who spend their time playing video games and that's, what they, that's their distractions, that's what they spend their time doing and that's it, not much else. Um, how many uh, people do you know who... Who, who, here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't spend your time Snapchatting, alright? Don't spend your time on whatever frivolous things are in the world. Use the gift that you have for singleness for the glory of God. Leverage it is what he's saying. Look for ways that Satan might be undermining you with, with uh, just focusing on yourself. You don't need to eliminate everything, but, but you do need to limit it. 
and you need to look for ways to welcome others into your life. And be faithful to the call of making disciples because you have an unusual advantage that not everybody has. He also says this. Number two, say yes to the spontaneous. Say yes to the spontaneous. That's an advantage that singles can have. Now I know different personalities and, 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 and how, uh, how we're made up factors into this. And, and that doesn't mean that singles have all kinds of time and they never have anything to do. That could be a stereotype too. But one of the greatest spiritual gifts a single person has is yes. <laughs> that they can say yes many times to things that um, uh, a, a family uh, like mine with five kids can't say yes to. So leverage your freedom that you have to say yes. Thirdly, practice selflessness while you're still alone. Practice selflessness while you're still alone. Obviously, a family forces you very quickly to practice selflessness. Otherwise, it becomes a problem, right? Be selfless in your resources, your paychecks. Be selfless in the ways you, you, are, uh, you are helping others. Um, uh, serve others, in other words. Be selfless. When you, are, when you are alone and you're not with other people, there are ways to still master your flesh and still to serve as a selfless person. Fourthly, because you may have more time not having to care for a family, do things that are time-consuming for God. If you may be free to say yes to more things, you're also perhaps able to say yes to things that require more of you than a married person could afford to do. Um, you are bound to your own schedule, in a sense. Um, so you have different ways that you can wisely use your time. Fifthly, spend time with married people. That's okay. Because you have an opportunity to learn about marriage from other people's successes and failures. Someone said this, singles need examples of flawed but faithful marriages. And I'm thankful that when I was a single, I had the opportunity um, through a, a married couple who kind of uh, took me under their wing in the church where I served. I would go over to their house every Wednesday and... Um, and we'd have supper, and uh, you know, I'd join them in their family devotions and things. But they, they made me a part of their a, a part of their family. So uh, 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 spend time with married people. Six. Of course, spend time with not yet married people. You know, Paul did most of his ministry with someone, with someone, as a single. Find people who are mission minded, who are who have been trusted, who are gifted in this way, and, 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 and make your lives matter for the kingdom of God. And by the way, that's also a great way to find a fiancé on the front lines. Don't make it your mission to be married. Make your mission God's mission. And if you're hoping to marry someone, you marry someone who passionately loves Jesus. And makes him known. And you know how you find someone like that? You put yourself around people like that. And finally, 
while you wait, hope in Jesus more than marriage. And that's what Paul has said here first. It's not an issue of being married or being single. He says it is finding our ultimate reality in Jesus Christ. Spend time satisfying your soul and all that God has become for you in Jesus. And so then when someone says, So, how's your love life these days? Any women in your life these days? Got a husband down the line? You could use those awkward and insensitive comments to point them to the groom who purchased your eternal happiness. Whether in life or death or sickness or in health. And when you may feel lonely or discouraged in your singleness... Remember that you are saved ultimately for Jesus Christ. And instead of passing your time waiting for a wedding day to get about doing God's work, leverage your singleness to do it now. Make the most of your not yet married life. Now that's something I wish someone had told me. And Paul lays it out very clearly, I think, in 1 Corinthians 7. There's a lot of nuance here, and we only we were skimming the treetops very quickly here. But the point of it is this. Paul said, in whatsoever state I find myself in Philippians 4, he says, I have found that I can abound, and I can be abased, but he says, in all things I can find, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I can be content in that satisfaction, in the satisfaction of knowing that that is what determines my reality, not whether I'm married or whether I'm not married. And marrieds, you need to understand that too, because wives, you can put your husband in the place of God sometimes. Husbands, you can put your wives in the place of God. Anything good can become an idol, just like anything bad can. And understand that God's most, uh, God is most serious about you being faithful in whatever stage you're at and use it for His glory.